welcome in. It's episode 42 of the Canucks Speakeasy Podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Doug. And Doug, for the first time in four, five months, years, whatever it is, man, we actually have an almost real Canucks game to talk about on this episode. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, I was... On the island, uh, my fiance and I went uh, for a little getaway in Jordan River, so I only got to hear bits and pieces of the game on the radio, but I'm excited to kind of go through some of the highs and some of the lows with you, and uh, yeah, dude, uh, definitely like the island life, man. Uh, Grace uh, was uh, trying to convince me about maybe moving to Victoria one day. She really wants to join the VPD. It's my hometown, man. The island's a, a great place. It's uh, a definitely a different pace of life than the lower mainland. I was over there a couple of weeks ago myself, just visiting my mom and some friends and hanging out, uh, buying records, which I know you did too, because there's some good little hidden gems over in Victoria. Uh, what did you end up picking up over there? Yeah, we uh, we actually hit Ditch Records. Shout out to Ditch Records in Victoria. Um, we hit Ditch. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. You're right. Uh, yeah, uh, Grace and I hit it up twice. So uh, Grace got two records, and I got two records. Uh, so she got uh, the band Traffic, uh, which is Steve Winwood's first band, kind of a classic rock band. Uh, she got the album Mr. Fantasy, which is a great uh, classic rock album. And then she also got the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack compilation, which is uh, it's actually a really good uh, compilation of like kind of old like 70s rock songs. And then myself, I picked up a Perfume Genius album. His first, well, It's not his first album. It's his second album called Put Your Back Into It. And then we doubled back today before hitting the ferry because I had seen uh, a TV on the radio, Return to Cookie Mountain, which has that song Wolf Like Me on it. But it was a special, like, Vinyl Me Please edition, which both LPs run on 45 RPM, and they're both, like, a translucent amber color. Really nice looking. And it was, like, 60 bucks. And so I was like, fuck. I got to do it. I got to do it. So Grace was totally on board, and uh, she ran and got us Taco Fino for lunch, which happens to be right across the street. Not another sponsor, by the way, uh, from Ditch Records. And, uh, yeah. TV on the radio, Wolf Like Me, I've long said that should be the song that Canucks come out to. I think that's such a, a wicked entrance song. And nice self-restraint to only buying two records there. Last time I was there, uh, I went a little crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, combined, Grace and I still ended up spending one hundred, about 175 bucks on the four records we picked up. Uh, but yeah, Ditch has a great selection, man. I, I, I got to hand it to them. They uh, uh, It reminds me of uh, Vinyl here, except for... The people running the store are much nicer and way more welcoming to the customers uh, than vinyl. And records are about half the price. And again, none of those places are sponsors, and it sounds like vinyl would never be a sponsor of ours now anyways. Uh, we are sponsor-free on this podcast. This podcast actually costs us money, Doug. I mean, uh, we we don't make money from it. We, we spend money on it. But that's, again, this is just for us. This is our outlet, our passion for the Canucks. It gives us a place in this crowded Canucks marketplace just to vent and share our thoughts. And we'd like to thank you all for listening out there. Yeah, you know, obviously uh, myself, uh, I probably don't get all the facts correct. Um, you're more of the fact checker on this uh, team than I am. But, you know, uh, our passion for the team and for the community is uh, is definitely full-hearted. And, you know, now that we have real games to actually talk about and discuss – it's nice to see, even last night, like I said, I, I limited Wi-Fi access, but just trying to scroll through my Twitter timeline and seeing people like, Yo, Levy looks good, Hughes with the sweet, you know, skating moves, and Patterson with that amazing shot. It's just, it's nice to see those tweets come back, even though they're meaningless. Oh, for sure, man. It's uh, it, it was it was pretty fun last night. I mean, wrong result. We'll get into that uh, a little bit. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna focus on that. But a few things to touch on before we get to that. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Doug. First of all, um, on the just the overall return of sports and what we're looking at this coming weekend. Uh, this weekend is ridiculous. You have NBA playoffs. You have NHL playoffs, and not just one or two games, but like five or six. You got. Major League Baseball, who are losing games left and right, but they're they're still 
going to be games. There's the FA Cup final with Arsenal and Chelsea. There's an F1 race. There's MLS semifinals. Like, this is insane, man. I'm going to have to set up the old multiple screen thing, turn the TVs onto the deck, and drink margaritas in the sun and watch sports on the August long weekend. I mean, this is all a bit surreal. And what are your kind of impressions on just from what you've seen, how everything is coming back? I mean, so far, so good. Um, This week, like, we were away since uh, Sunday. So this week seems to have uh, really kind of amped up with uh, some of the big four uh, leagues starting up, baseball, hockey, basketball. I said to you before we hit record on this week's episode, you know, what are you watching? I turn the TV on, and I've got a basketball game to watch. I've got a hockey game to watch. i got baseball to watch. You know, what is your, uh, what are you watching right now? And you're like, yeah, I don't know. You know, once we're done recording the podcast, I got to figure out what I want to watch as well. Um, It's great. Like I said, it's nice to see sports back. You realize how much you missed it. I mean, we all know how much we missed it, but to have it come back and to have it, you know, broadcast in a new way, like especially the NBA with some of the camera, camera angles they're using, like I've, I heard a couple of people say that like it almost looks like video game style, like the way the camera angles are and stuff like that, which is great. Um, I love it. I think uh, I've really missed sports. It is kind of weird that we're talking about a hockey game. Or we'll, we'll, we will be talking about a hockey game August long weekend, but here we are. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's strange for sure. But uh, it, the, the crowd noise, I, I know I talked about this before with soccer. I like it. That that certainly helps. Um, I think the leagues have done some cool stuff with the backdrops and the camera angles. It just there's all this flexibility now. And I'm curious to see what sticks around from this. I bet there will be some things that happen, whether it's camera angles, whether it's changes to the game, whatever it is. I think there's going to be some changes that stick from COVID that wouldn't have stuck before. And I'm curious to see what that all is, but yeah, you're right. Right now I got the TV off cause I can't try and watch something and podcast at the same time. I'll just start tuning you out and just be like, oh, oh yeah, Quentin Hughes. Yeah. 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 I was like, I wasn't talking about Quentin Hughes, Pete, but so TV's <laughs> off for now. I'll probably chuck on uh, something after this. Um, other big news in hockey this past week. And it was when we recorded last time, it was pretty much the next day this was happening and kind of feels a little like old news now, but it's still pretty fresh. Seattle officially goes with the Kraken reveal, reveal the logo, the jerseys, uh, what do you think about all that, Doug? I like it. I, it's super original. Um, I mean, even though it was like a lot of people say it was the worst kept, worst kept secret. Um, I like it. I think it's original. I know some people feel like it's a little cartoony, but uh, I, I like it. I like the color scheme on the jerseys. I like the logo. I will say the one thing I, I actually liked a little bit more was the S logo wrapped around the anchor. Uh, that I actually thought would have been way cooler for their main logo is the S with the anchor because the anchor also has the space needle tied into it, which is really, really cool. Um, so that I think would have looked really, really sharp. But uh, yeah, that's great, man. Also, I don't yeah. know if you saw this, but uh, Lauren Henning has actually been uh, hired as a scout for the Seattle Kraken. I thought he was hmm. still under contract with the Canucks or maybe he has an out clause or something like that. But I saw that come across my timeline uh today huh no i didn't i didn't catch that um i'm i actually prefer the seattle s logo um i just like i always like anything that does a a tribute to some of the old pacific coast teams and of course with the seattle metropolitans and and that shape i like how seattle they decided okay we want to honor that we want to have the s shape and i think they did a really smart job with uh with how they did it um i think the color scheme really works for them it's different enough from vancouver that little bit of red and uh, the anchor on the arm could add for some pretty cool third jerseys as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm not against it. It's certainly different. I know I've said that I don't always like names that don't end in S in sports, but it's not that big a deal. They're doing something different. It's been a, a nice drop for the league right before all of this as well. And, you know, it's we kind of need that with, with everything going on in hockey right now. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm watching some of these games, and I'm – I'm forgetting guys like Patrick Marlowe are in Pittsburgh or uh, or Kovalchuk is in Washington. Like I, I've I've forgotten where all these deadline moves and what's what's going on, and uh, it's just it's been a nice refresher, and it feels like kind of a fresh start to I don't want to say a fresh season, but a, a different season. 
Yeah, I I remembered Kovalchuk uh, getting moved by Montreal at the deadline to, uh, or just around the deadline, I should say. I don't think it was actually on deadline day to the Capitals, but I totally forgot Marlowe's in Pittsburgh. Like, I, I don't remember that happening whatsoever. So, you know, maybe this is a chance for Marlowe to win that cup. Who knows? I mean, Pittsburgh's got as good of a shot as any team in this COVID cup or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that all the teams are going to be playing for. Um, I mean, they are still playing for the Stanley Cup. But, uh, yeah, uh, there's a few other guys that have moved around as well that I think once the games get going, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's a, he's a Carolina Hurricane. Because didn't the Hurricanes make quite a few big moves? Didn't they add uh, – who was the guy out of Florida they added? Uh, Trocheck? Oh, Trocheck, yeah. Yeah, I was watching uh, a bit of a Hurricanes game last night, and I, that's another one I, I totally forgot about. That's a good call, and – you know, I even forgot that Minnesota moved Zucker out before uh, the deadline. I mean, it's just uh, it's just been so long. And, you know, I think Marlowe, I looked at his stats after that. He's played eight games with the Penguins. So that's obviously why it hasn't stuck with me. But it's uh, bringing in the Seattle team right before all this just kind of felt like, uh, you know, this is something new. And you kind of have these players who are still getting used to these teams. I mean, in Vancouver, even, we have guys coming into the fold that we, we kind of had either forgot about or weren't expecting as well. Um, it's it's neat to see. Uh, it's it's really cool to see hockey back uh, regardless. Uh, I was so giddy last night just getting ready for the game. You go on Twitter and everyone's just like peeing their pants with excitement. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it was great to see. It was great to actually talk about a game instead of lineup decisions and, you know, who's on the team, who's not on the team. Um you know, is Furland going to be able to play a full game? All that stuff. It was nice to actually see game action. The result probably wasn't what we wanted, but it was an, it's an exhibition game. And for the last year, maybe two or th- probably two years, the Canucks, for whatever reason, the Jets have really had their number. And it's I wouldn't say that the Jets completely outplay the Canucks every game, but for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it's more Hullabuck has the Canucks number. He seems to really be dialed in and shut out the Canucks and, you know, prevent them from putting up big uh, big goal totals. And uh, last night was evident of that again. Hellebuck looks great. I think the last three games now the Canucks played the Jets, it's been 4 nothing, 4-1, 4-1, or something like that. Um, overall, I thought the Canucks were the better team in the first and the third. Uh, the second was definitely the Jets. And, yeah, the, the Jets and the Devils, man, just for whatever reason it is, they're in our heads. I think the Canucks, uh, if you count that game – Last night, for anything it's worth, I think that's 11 straight now we've lost to the Jets. They just have our number. Uh, Thank God that we aren't playing them in the first round because I I don't think we would take them too well. Um, And if, and this is, of course, a big if, but if the Canucks and the Jets both advance, it's not actually possible for them to play in the round of 16. So that's something else as well and we're going to get into all of this uh first of all though well not first of all we're, we're several minutes in now but just drop a couple plugs uh the podcast is on twitter at canuck speak i'm on twitter at pete underscore gas uh give me a follow on twitter at doug ven that's v-e-n-n and as always uh pete and i are putting together an ever-growing outro playlist of kind of funky hip-hop tracks we use for the outro of every episode it's the canucks speakeasy outro playlist on spotify uh yeah putting a couple of fractions of a penny into musicians pete and i really likes pocket (laughs) so true so true well, we started talking about uh, the game last night, and that's where uh, we're going to start this podcast in terms of relevant Canucks content um, with what we saw from the game last night. Um, like I said, I think the first and the third, the Canucks were the better team. I think the they really came out of the gates, carried the play really well. Uh, I thought our top six was super sharp. Um, there's, there's a lot of good stuff happening in the top six. The bottom six, not as much. Um, any kind of takeaways from you in the forward core that uh, you want to touch on, Doug? Um, I guess, yeah, like how did, you know, how did Michael Ferlin look? I know that the third line of, was it Ferlin, Gaudette, and Roussel, they got the goal. Um, it sounds like it was kind of like just a garbage goal, kind of like in front of the net, jam at home type of thing. Greasy goal. Greasy. It was a greasy goal. Um. But yeah, like I, I'd like to know how they looked. I mean, the fourth line's the fourth line, right? Like, yeah, 
you kind of expect that they don't hurt you and you don't, you know, want them on the ice for goals against. I believe Petey was on the ice for three of the goals against last night. I heard that in a post game. I thought I could be wrong though. Maybe I'm not, I'm not totally sure um, uh, with that, but you know, I actually made some notes on Petey uh, and his defensive play from the game last night. Um, And what Petey was doing, which I thought was, was really cool. Uh, is that he was reading the play. You're right, Petey was a minus three. But he was reading the play in the offensive zone when he didn't have the puck. When the Jets had the puck in their own zone, Petey a couple of times was able to anticipate where the passes were going and pick them off. I actually thought defensively, even though it shows up that he's minus three, but I actually thought defensively he had a really solid game. Um, there was a couple of couple of turnovers uh, by that line. And, and honestly, like... It wasn't, they weren't sharp all the time. They were skating hard. They had a really good forecheck, though. The passes weren't there, and they got stopped by a really hot goalie, and uh, they missed the net quite a bit as well. But PD, I thought, was really good without the puck in the offensive zone as well. He was making some really, really intelligent plays. And I know we've said this before uh, with PD, but I think, you know, long term, he's a sleeper to capture a Selkie and maybe Horvat, too. Yeah, I think PD, I mean, I, you don't really want a guy like him playing on the PK because you're going to wear him down. I mean, that's one of the big criticisms I think John Tortorella had during his tenure as coach for the Canucks is he put the Sedins out there on the PK, plus they were playing power play minutes, plus five on five. They just wore down. And, you know, obviously you're risking injury when you're playing that those kind of minutes as well. Um but guys like Datsuk did it in their career, and they did it with much success. Zetterberg was another guy who was able to do it with uh, quite a bit of success in their career. Um, I'm glad to hear that because I think PD's defensive game is going to have to kind of step up in this playing series against Minnesota. Um, but how did the third line, specifically the third line, how would you say they fared overall during the game, in your opinion? They were okay. Um the bottom six in general didn't really do anything to wow me. Uh, there, there was nothing really there where you're like, hey, wow, look at that. There, the third line wasn't bad. Uh, Roussel was getting in the mix a bit, and 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 I, I noticed Tyler Mott because he's always got the hustle out there. But no one in the bottom six really wowed me. There looked to be a lot more rust, but there was there was rust right across the board. I, again, I, you know, I mentioned that the passes weren't crisp, and. Maybe it was just the way the Jets are playing or maybe that Hellebuck was in their head, but the Canucks were taking a lot of really low percentage shots, like shots from really sharp angles. And I know Toffoli scored once or twice in his stint before all this from those weird angles, but they were trying low percentage shots. Uh, Having said all that, though, there's still a lot of potential, I think, for this, this third line. And they've they haven't played together before right like this is a new unit so they they need a bit of time to grow um i'd still like to see a bit of shuffling going on though in the bottom six um brandon sutter i wasn't too impressed with him uh maybe you do a little bit of wrestling for game one i I wouldn't be surprised well if it was up to me i would take sutter out of the lineup i'd move roussel down to the fourth and i'd insert for tannen on the third and then uh, doing a line that all the way back at the start of the season, that was my starting third line was Gaudet with Vertanen and Furlan. However, I don't think we're going to see Vertanen in game one. I think maybe McEwen can bump out Sutter, but it's not likely. Um, but uh, I wasn't too impressed with Sutter's game in particular. Also, I think it's worth noting to some people that might not have realized it. It was actually a bottom seven. The Canucks were allowed to start to dress 13 forwards last night and seven defensemen. So there was yeah. a 13th forward, and McEwen, I believe, was the 13th forward. I heard that he didn't get much ice time in the third period, but I think he had a total of five or six minutes of ice time in the game, I believe. I don't know how he looked. So would you say you would probably start Vertanen over McEwen then? Uh, no, I'd still start McEwen over Vertanen. I, I mean, I even think that, you know, there's a chance that Vertanen might be number 15 on the forward list right now. I mean, Louis Erickson had a good camp too. And if you're taking out Sutter, it make more might make more sense to put Erickson in the lineup. However, I, I think whatever the starting 12 is for game one, it's going to be a combination of those 13. So I think the guys who you're looking at uh, who are likely not going to play right now are Sutter or McEwen. I think one of those two, and just my guess is, 
despite everything I've said, is I still think Sutter is probably going to be in the lineup and McEwen sits. But you got McEwen, Vertanen, and Erickson all all ready to go in, and there is some chances to shuffle that deck. I mean, Minnesota has a, a pretty solid top 12 there as well, and the Canucks need to match it in the bottom. And if there's anyone who's not able to match up with Minnesota well and not make a difference, there is three guys... There's a whole fifth line there ready to come in. And one more thing about that 13th forward. What I thought was really interesting is Paul Maurice only dressed 12 forwards and six defensemen, even though he could do 13 and seven. And when one of the Jets left with an injury, I'm blanking on who it was. It was Ehlers. I it, it was Ehlers, yeah. They uh, put in, uh, they, they brought, they got him dressed and they brought Harkins in, who only played a minute 50. Uh, but they I, could I do thought that? that was kind of, yeah, apparently he was on the game roster. But they didn't have him out at all. Like he was just, I guess, in the dressing room or dressed and not out there on the bench. But once that happened, it was just like, uh, like sub in is just uh, again something else never seen before. Because uh, well, there's so many of these things that we've never seen before. But I thought that was kind of a, a weird one. Uh, going back to the Minnesota lineup, because it was one thing I totally forgot. You know, I know we mentioned uh, Kovalchuk and Marlowe earlier. A guy I totally forgot that's on Minnesota that I'm actually kind of worried about because he's pegged to be on the third line is Matt Zuccarello. Uh, he's another guy. He's a he's a shifty player. He has a penchant to score goals and put up points. And he's a guy that I, I think uh, that third line, you know, the Canuck third line or whoever they're going to put up against that third line is really going to have to match up well against, like you're saying, whether that is a Russell, Furland, and Gaudet or Vertanen or McEwen's on that third line, who knows? Uh, Tyler Mott, would you say he did enough to start game one of the play-in series? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we're going to see more of Mott. Um, I hope so, too. I think uh, that guy's all hustle and brings some speed. But yeah, Minnesota, like you look at that third line, it's Galchenyuk, Zuccarello, and Felino, And they got a fourth line of Hartman, Koivu, and Donato. Like, they have four lines. They don't have that superstar kind of factor really going into the top six, but they have balanced out their lineup really well. And I think they've made the playoffs five of the last six years. They got a ton of experience up there. I don't think anyone in Canucks universe should take the wild lightly. This is going to be a tough series. Um, but I do think if things work for the way that uh, the Canucks top six can go and we get a bit more life out of line three and a bit of a shutdown in line four and get away from this top six, bottom six uh, that, that we seem to be a little bit in right now, uh, we have as, as good a shot as any. Um, I did want to go back uh, to the top six for a second, though. And, and one other guy I wanted to really mention who I thought had a very solid game was his Tanner Pearson. He was physical. He was skating. Um, that line, uh, in general, looked pretty good. Brock Besser was shooting and really skating. I mean, he got a lot of praise. I haven't seen Besser move like that in a long time. Uh, I think the rest has really done him well. He just uh, couldn't hit the net, which was kind of one of the Canucks' problems last night. They, they couldn't hit the net. Yeah, that seemed to be a problem kind of at the end of the regular season. Um, you know, the Canucks offense was drying up a bit, and I don't know if they were holding their sticks too tight, but I know like PD was often missing the net with his one-timer on the power play, and Besser was injured, but it was coming back from injury, and he was having issues hitting the net as well. Um, you know, puck luck is a real thing, folks, and, uh, you know, it is a game of inches. What was it, old Charlie Conway and the Mighty Ducks? where he says if you would have missed three inches the other way, you would have missed completely or whatever the quote is from the Mighty Ducks. I'm sure a Mighty Ducks fan will will tell me, you know, the exact quote. But, uh, yeah. What's funny, one of my uh, tweets for the Chirpin segment this week is, is Charlie Conway. So uh, oh. there we go. That's, uh, that's some nice unintentional tie-in. Like, get out of my brain, Doug. You're, 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 you're seeing, we see each other too much on these screens here. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, you're right about and, and last night, uh, PD one timer on the power play missed the net, not by much. Besser high slot power play missed the net, not by much. But between missing the net on the high quality chances and Connor Hellebuck, that's why the score line overall just showed one goal for the Canucks. Again, the overall it wasn't uh, a bad effort. I think there's uh, the top six in general is skating well. It's more the bottom six, what they do. I don't think it's going to be too different from what we saw last night in terms of personnel. Um, but I think overall, uh, it's this is going to be uh, one hell of a series. I mean, Minnesota lost their game as well to Colorado. So I don't, I don't think Minnesota is 
you know, throwing in the towel or panicking or anything. And I don't think Vancouver should either. I mean, one game, it's an exhibition game. Um, but this is going to be a hell of a series up front. And I, I think there's going to be some really intriguing line combinations and line battles between the two teams and, and line matchups. Yeah, and you know what? At the end of the day, even if Jake doesn't get in for game one, I'm sure the way this series is going to progress, Jake's going to get some games. Louis going to get some games. Injuries happen. I mean, most of these players had a condensed training camp and then got rushed into the bubble in Edmonton and had one exhibition game. I, I You feel like a guy like Setter's probably going to get injured at some point. I, again, I hope not. I'm not wanting that to happen. But, you know, you think that's more than likely to happen. Furland is a complete wild card. Obviously, you know, all of us want Furland to stay healthy and to, you know, worry about his life more than playing hockey. And, you know, if he can stay healthy enough and he's not having headaches or dizzy spells to be out there for a full game, that's great news for the Canucks. I think Furland is definitely one of those guys, if he is 100% healthy and he can play that kind of physical game, and I'm not saying, you know, drop the mitts and, you know, fight, but you can still be a physical player without fighting, and Furland definitely has that in his repertoire. Uh, he could be a difference maker for the Canucks, but again, it all depends on health. The one thing I will say the Canucks have a definitive advantage of over the wild is goaltending. I know uh, I saw some people say that they thought Markstrom let one of the goals last night look a little shaky, like he probably should have had it, um, but there's a serious debate between all three goalies in Minnesota who they should start. There's three goalies that are all kind of up for debate right now on who who's going to be starting in net. And they might do, um, they might share the crease. Staylock could start one game and Dubnik could start the other, depending on how those games, you know, end up uh, breaking. Uh, so that is one decisive uh, advantage the Canucks have, and we're very lucky to have that advantage going in because goaltending, as we all know. You know, a goalie gets the right goalie gets hot at the right time. Uh, magic happens. I mean, Marky wasn't lights out last night, but there wasn't really a lot of times where he could have been lights out. I mean, lights out for me is when you have that you're stopping everything and you have that one or two highlight reel saves, which is what we've gotten used to. Marky didn't see that last night. I don't think he had a bad game. Um, I will say that I thought the defense did leave him high and dry a couple of times. So. I wouldn't put all the blame on Marky, but, you know, out of a 1 to 10, I'd say Marky was probably like an 8, you know? Like, you know, it was it was good, maybe a 7.5 to an 8, uh, but nothing spectacular, right? Like Connor Hellebeck was like a 9.5 last night. He was he looked really good. Um, so you got to give the edge last night to, to the Jets there, but you're right against the Wild. I mean, theoretically, the Canucks should have the advantage. I mean, Marky is the best goalie in this series, and uh, what, what I'm more concerned with is is about the six guys playing in front of him. Of course, seven last night. And the biggest talk in Vancouver this morning is about the guy who played the number seven spot, Ole Yolevi, and what he did out there. Yeah, I mean, first off, it's just nice to see Yolevi kind of get game action. I know it was an exhibition, so it still doesn't really count as an NHL game. Um, but by all accounts, he looked good. I know he, I think, only had limited ice time in the third period uh green seemed to really kind of go with the top uh 12 and six uh forwards and defensemen um after that but from all accounts he looked good it's nice to see that he's healthy and he was rewarded i like that about travis green you know and you know you can you can criticize Green here and there. I know a lot of people and a lot of fans are criticizing Green for not having Vertanen play last night or the speculation that Vertanen might miss game one. But the one thing that I think Green has always done since he's been the coach of the Canucks is he's a rewarded players that have put in the effort and the time and have showed well in training camp. Guys like Zach McEwen, Adam Gaudet, uh, Ole Levy last night is another perfect example of that. I like that, you know, that those are all good signs. I mean, people kind of forget that going into Petey's rookie year, there was talk about him spending some time in Utica because they didn't think he was strong enough physically to, you know, get into the corners with some of the big NHL defensemen. And there was also talk about Petey playing the wing to start his career. And maybe he's an NHL winger and not a centerman. Um, and obviously Petey put all that to bed pretty quick. But Travis Green also 
realized the skill Petey had and said, no, this guy belongs in the NHL now. And it's great to see. And I really respect that. And I really admire that from Green as a coach. And I know the players like that too. So Yolevi last night, six minutes, 37 seconds of ice time. Uh, he had two shots on goal as well. Like both there, I can I can actually remember both shots. It, it, and he had the lane and he took the shot. And it was just getting the puck on net and looking for a tip. It was was that kind of shot. It wasn't like the howitzer. But he was putting the puck on net and they both got through. And I thought that was great. The other thing that about Yolevi that really surprised me is he was p- paired with Tyler Myers a bit. And he's a pretty big boy like he's listed as 6'2 but I've seen some 6'3s out there as well he's a pretty big defenseman and again now he's 22 and we've seen this before in Vancouver with Finnish defensemen namely Sammy Salo who take a little while to develop uh, in their career of course Salo was uh, originally with the Senators but it these some of these European guys it takes a little longer um, I think everyone in Vancouver now is looking at uh, you know, I don't want to talk too much about next season or anything, but there are spots up for grabs, and having Yolevi possibly grab one of those spots next year would be a huge boost. And again, I think he's going to be the number seven. Um, I wasn't really crazy about the Fantenberg Myers pairing last night, um, but I still think Fantenberg's probably going to get the sixth spot. But I don't think it would be much to say that Ole Yolevi could make a, his uh, NHL debut in this series. Well, the other thing I saw, I think it was Ian McIntyre reported it today, that the likelihood of Jordy Ben getting into any games in the first round is pretty much non-existent because him and his wife are still expecting the birth of their first child. Congratulations, Jordy and your family. Um, obviously, that is more important than hockey. Uh, but I, there's still a protocol when he comes into the bubble that I would assume he needs to be tested. And then he's probably got a quarantine for a few days, maybe a week or so. I'm not exactly sure. So the chances of him getting into a five-game series are not looking really good right now. So right now, Yul Levy definitely is the seventh defenseman. So And again, not wishing this on anyone, but if there is an injury to one of those defensemen, Yul Levy's theoretically the next guy up. Yolevi is the next guy up, and that's that's really intriguing. And that's also not to say that if Fantenberg has an off game, or even Troy Stetcher, who was you know, so-so, I thought, last night, um, I, I don't think they would take him out. But if if there was something with one of those guys where Green is like, all right, we got to change things up or do whatever, Yolevi gets in there. I mean, he looked decent in his limited time. And I... I've also kind of wondered, like, there's been a bit of a shitting on Fantenberg uh, in Canucks Twitter today. Um, And, you know, Fantenberg wasn't great, but Stetcher also wasn't great, as as I said. I I think, in general, the Canucks blue line wasn't wasn't the best, except for, I thought, uh, the Vets, Tanev and Edler, had decent games, especially Tanev. I thought Tanev had a a really good game. Um, But I, I, I think there's a part of this as well as, like, okay, Fantenberg... He's not the shiny toy anymore. We know what we got with him. He's on an expiring deal this year. He's a plug-and-play seventh or eighth defenseman when we got him. He ended up playing 30-something games this year. Um, but we already know what we got with him. Yolevi's kind of this shiny toy that we thought we'd lost, and now he's back, and we're like, oh, look at this. So, like, if Yolevi does anything good, like when he made that outlet pass in the first period, uh, just at the commercial break, went on Twitter, and everyone, Yo, Levy, what outlet pass? See, I told you. I told you you could still do it. Yeah, look at this. Outlet. It was just it was really funny. We were all just giddy because uh, it was uh, it was a great pass. He made a couple other great passes. He had one bad turnover, I remember, in the, I think it was the second period. Uh, but he recovered pretty well off of it uh, after turning it over. He uh, he recovered well, went into the corner, played a uh, guy off the puck when it came back around, and, and recovered well, which I thought was also good to see because he did make that one mistake. But... This is, um, I, I think there's something in, in the Canucks land where we're like, just put in your levy, you got nothing to lose. I'm like, well, it doesn't quite work like that. Um, but I do think that um, from what I've seen uh, from and what I've heard from training camp, because I, I didn't see all the footage from the scrimmages in training camps. So I watched as much as I could. But from what I saw last night, he can hold his own. And I think uh, Yolevi may never live up to that fifth overall billing. Um, but Brian Burke was on the radio this morning, I think it was, uh, w- with uh, the Sportsnet guys, and he was saying that when they were drafting, because he was the GM of Calgary 
uh, that year, and they were drafting at six. As he said they had Yolevi and Kachuk neck and neck, and they said we we really wouldn't have been able to choose, and Vancouver essentially made the choice for us. But he said that Yolevi was by far and away the top defenseman there and uh, was really impressive. And he said most teams would have taken Yolevi at five. And I like to think that Yolevi is a bit of a late bloomer. Will he ever become uh, top two pairing? I don't know, but I think there's still that potential to be a really solid top four. Again, kind of like Sammy Salo was. Yeah, uh, I actually tweeted out something today um, about Yolevi's draft year and how people kind of forget how great of a year he had heading into his draft. Uh, he won the OHL playoffs with the London Knights, and it was a stacked Knights team, but still. Um, I believe he put up, I, I think it was like 13 points in 17 games. I, I tweeted it today. Um, I don't have it in front of me. And then the Memorial Cup, he put up seven points in four games. That year, he won the gold medal with Finland at the World Junior Championship, uh, recording nine assists in the tournament. Uh, he made the first team all-star uh, at the World Junior Tournament and I believe the first team all-star at the Memorial Cup and OHL um, playoffs as well. Uh, plus, the other thing that a lot of scouts, a lot of GMs, and a lot of coaches look for in players, it's not just points. It's that winning pedigree. And that year, Yolevi won everything. Won the World Junior. Won the OHL playoffs. Went on to win the Memorial Cup. Every major tournament that guy played in, he won. Like, those are things, those are the intangibles that I think most GMs scouts and coaches look for in players as far like when you're looking outside of points right um the one thing i do think that obviously has hurt you levy is the next year in london they lost a lot of talent uh mitch marner left the team uh matthew kachuk made the flames the next year uh, so the team wasn't that good and he kind of had a lateral progression as far as his stats went he plateaued he didn't he didn't increase his stat totals from the previous year. He was named team captain of Finland, and Finland had a terrible tournament in the World Juniors that year. It wasn't Yolevi's fault, but they just weren't prepared or they weren't as talented as the year prior. They didn't have guys like Pugliarvi or Line on that team. Or actually, maybe Pugliarvi was still on the team, but Line definitely wasn't. Um, and so all those things factored into him not having a great second year. And then, obviously, the injuries started to mound up. You know, he had a knee injury. I believe he had a back injury as well. He was too good to still be playing the OHL, not good enough to play in the NHL, and he couldn't play in the AHL. So the Canucks moved him over to Finland, and he played a year in La Liga where Sammy Salo, who you've brought up a couple of times, was one of his coaches and mentored him, which is great. And then he got injured again, unfortunately. So, you know, it's been a hard, long road for Yulevi to kind of get to where he got to yesterday yesterday but it's nice to see and he does have an immense amount of talent and yeah you're right you know patience is a virtue he's never gonna live up to the top five billing but most draft picks don't look at most top five picks of the last 10 years the majority of them don't turn out i, I look at obviously jake for one but taken ahead of jake for michael del cole um hayden flurry defenseman taken by the carolina hurricanes i believe sixth overall a few years ago he's not really worked out to be a top tier defenseman like a lot of people thought uh i mean the list goes on and on and on but yeah for me i mean you'll levy looking at those stats he he was drafted where i would think the majority of most teams would have drafted him in the top Probably the first defenseman taken off the board. The only other guy that was talked about was Sergachev, and that was because Sergachev was this big body who still had all this untapped talent and potential, who obviously had, you know, an offensive upside, but could also do a lot, you know, on the defensive end. So Sergachev was the one guy, like I said, that was sort of talked about, but the consensus was Yulevi was the top defenseman heading into that draft. I would say right now, in my opinion, the best defenseman is probably Charlie McAvoy to come out of that draft. But uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all. It, it, I mean, the curious case of Ole Yolevi, I, I, I know so many people out there kind of had written him off, and partially because Jack Rathbone um, has really emerged as a really solid prospect. I saw him in a top twenty-five list of NHL prospects the other day, which even 
surprised me a bit. But, you know, you got him, you have Brogan Rafferty, you put up this good year in Utica as well. And a lot of us out here uh, who follow the WHL are also keeping their eyes on Jet Wu. And we just kind of forgot about Yolevi. But long term, this would be a real boost to the Canucks if this guy does turn out because I know that the last two seasons I said going into it, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is the year that Yolevi's got to really do something and, and make his case. And it hasn't happened. And even I'm now like, uh, you know, I've said this before, I can't say this again. So it, it's great to see. Um, I do think he'll be the number seven going in. Uh, I really do. Um, I just think that uh, uh, Fantenberg is probably going to start game one, but you're right about Jordy Ben as well. Like we're not going to see Jordy Ben uh, in this, in this, uh, best of five. It's not possible. There's going to be no Jordy Ben. So you levy. Hey, d- depending on anything, I would love to see it. The excitement it would bring to this fan base to see you levy make his NHL debut in a playoff game in August. Like uh, they, that's going to be a, a great trivia question for Canucks fans one day. Yeah. What month did you levy make his NHL debut for the Vancouver Canucks or just years from now? Like you, you I mean, you'd give it away with the trivia question, but you'd be like, what Canucks rookie defenseman uh, made his NHL debut in August? You're like, well, that's 2020. Who was the defenseman, right? But uh, it, that's that's going to be such a fun storyline if that happens. Um, with the other defenseman, um, like, again, I didn't think the Fantenberg-Myers pairing was, was stellar. Um, they just looked a little bit lost. Myers had one of those games where you're like, oh, Tyler Myers. You know you know how Myers is, right? You get yeah. those games where you're like, oh, Tyler Myers. And you get those games where you're like, oh. Yeah, Tyler Myers. And it was more of one of those for him. Um, Tanev and Hughes look good. Hughes um, and Petey did this too. There were a couple of times where I think they almost tried to do a little bit too much. Petey almost had this end-to-end where if it happened, it would have been great. And Hughes, uh, there was one point where he tried to bring it in on a one-on-three essentially. But I think that was also on a change uh, with the the forward cord. So I don't think he had a lot of places to go. But overall, I thought that pairing was good. Edler and Stetcher didn't notice too much, uh, especially on the Stetcher front. But you know what? That's usually a good thing from your your B pairing out there as well. Um, overall, though, what do you? I, I mean, we all know Minnesota has the advantage uh, on the defense core on paper. What is the Canucks X factor with their blue liners going into the series? I mean, it's Quinn Hughes, definitely. Um, but I also think a healthy Chris Tanev can be an X factor. Um, he's not obviously going to put up points, but just what Tanev can do away from the puck in his own end defensively, uh, to me, that, that that is definitely an X factor. I mean, one of the big issues the Canucks have had over the years with their defensive core is their inability to play defense well. Sometimes they put up points, but they just haven't been able to kind of cover guys in their own end, and they kind of get hemmed in their own end, and they're kind of scrambling around, kind of just watching the puck, not actually trying to figure out how the play is developing. And then there's a guy left wide open on one of the sides to pot a goal past whoever's in net. I think Tanev can definitely be an X factor, but the major X factor is Quinn Hughes. Uh, you know, he, what he brings to the power play unit, which I would like to touch on with you a little bit later as well, is how the power play looked. I don't know how many power play advantages the Canucks had last night, but I'd like to know uh, how just, it looked. Just a couple. They, they didn't look too great. Uh, oh, well, you know, I mean, again, the power play definitely does take time to kind of get going and tweaking. But to me, yeah, I, I think Quinn Hughes is obviously a big X factor for them. And uh, I'm going to go with Tanev. Uh, I know it's probably kind of boring, but, you know, what Tanev brings on the defensive end uh, is very unsung. And, you know, he's a guy who most people have written off as, you know, leaving the Canucks at the end of this year because most people have Toffoli and Markstrom as the two guys they want to re-sign. And if guys like Yulevi and Rathbone and maybe Rafferty can maybe step in next year and, you know, fill that hole left by Tanev, that's great. But I don't think any of those three players had the defensive capability that Tanev has. And that seems to be arguably the biggest flaw in the Canucks defense currently is their play in their own end. Did you see the uh, the chirp from Roussel uh, to the Wild about how the Canucks are the better team and how they have the best defensive defensemen in the series, referring to Tanev? I did, yes. And then Wes Waltz, who uh, is a longtime Minnesota uh, player, and now I believe he works in the front office with them, 
um, he actually uh, retweeted it with a comment, and obviously they're going to be using that to motivate the team, which is great. Good for them. Uh, Wes Walls was also involved in those uh, West Coast Express battles with the Canucks. Um, mm-hmm. He had a couple of funny stories about uh, his uh, his lack of uh, fandom towards one Todd Bertuzzi, <laughs> which, <laughs> hey, man, all is fair in love and war, right? Do you like that Roussel did that? I do. I mean, at the end of the day, I, this is the one thing that I, I, I've said it time and time again, and I, I understand it, and I get it. You know, you don't want to... You don't want to stir the pot. You don't want to give your opposition, you know, motivation. But if you're not motivated to play already, then you're not, you shouldn't be on the ice to begin with, or you shouldn't be on the field to begin with. I think, you know, Russell is doing what he does. He's trying to get the other team to think about him and to think about something he said. And in his mind, if they're spending five minutes even talking about it, it's worked. Yeah, I uh, I don't mind it either. It, it's it lights a bit of a fire under the team. Um, just got to be careful what you say. Uh, it could be could come back and bite you, uh, but uh, I I don't have a problem with that. Um, I'll quickly give you a few thoughts on the power play uh, before we get into the chirping section here. Um, it was it was pretty sloppy. It was rough. They had some good chances, but as we talked about earlier, they they missed the net on a lot of their good chances. Um, just trouble breaking in, um, a little bit. I saw that drop pass again once or twice in the neutral zone, which you know how I feel about that. Um, but when they got set up, uh, a lot of the shots were, um, were kind of from the perimeter. Um, yeah, just nothing really, it just didn't look like it was that sharp yet. So, um, something that hopefully turn it up again, uh, when we get to the wild, uh, let's get into the chirping segment here. We got a couple of chirps and tweets to talk about from the Canuck universe and things that just caught our eye this week. So I'm going to go first because I already mentioned that I got one from Charlie Conway here and uh, something we haven't talked about. It's just been kind of going around Twitter in the last few hours. So Charlie Conway, and you can follow him at cconway96. Can we argue about whether or not Bo should be playing N64? You're damn right we can. We are all Canucks Twitter. Yeah, I mean, look, I th- it, the original tweet of this thing was a joke. It was meant to be a joke. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say on it because I don't want to, you know, obviously it's, it's one of those things that, you know, there's a lot of people that have an opinion on it and are offended by it or are feeling like, you know, somebody's trying to stir the pot. I don't think that's what it was at all. Personally, I think it was meant to be a joke. You know, for those that don't realize, you know, Bo just had a baby, as did his wife, and his wife stuck at home looking after the baby while Bo was putting up photos on Instagram of him playing uh, Mario Kart with his teammates. Uh, I also thought that uh, a year ago or two years ago, there was uh, no gaming uh, allowed uh, with the Canucks, so... Anyways, that's a whole other topic that I don't it's, want to step into either. It's 2020, man. Everything Everything's different in 2020. I agree. Um, so I only have one chirp this week. Uh, I was on the island, limited internet access. I've said it multiple times. Um, so I scrolled through my timeline. and I'm just, just hearing excuses, man. That's, that's all I'm hearing well, here. Well, yeah, again, I didn't even get a chance to rest. Pete said, hey, we got to drop a podcast, get to work. Um, so haven't even eaten dinner yet, but no, it's all good. Um, but yeah, my chirp of the week is from Ashley Schaub. You can follow her or him perhaps, but I'm assuming it's a her at Ashley Schaub. That's A S H L E Y S C H A U B. And they say, everybody who backs Jake always talks about his speed and size, yet he almost never uses either. Yeah, um, you see his size more, uh, or sorry, his speed more, I think, uh, this last year. Um, that's kind of the general knock on Jake, though, isn't it, is as we keep wanting more, is uh, we've said, you know, he's got the tools, he's got everything he kind of needs, but he just doesn't take it to that next level. And the speed and the size are his greatest attributes. If he could find it all and tie it in with that work ethic, and I know JT Miller was taking him under his wing this year and really trying to get more out of him i mean again he he could be so much more than what he is but 
Um, they're not wrong at all. I mean, speed and and his size, that's the Jake Furtanen thing. Yet, if I was to give him a, a grade on what we saw this year for speed, uh, give him a you know B minus. For size, though, it's more like a C, like a C plus. He doesn't do it enough. He needs to be more physical. And we saw that from Roussel last night. He was going into the corners hard, and Furland was was doing it to an extent as well. And that's how McEwen jumped up the depth chart is you need those guys to go in and finish your hits and be grinders. So not wrong on that. I would like to see more. I think all of Canucks nation would like to see more. Maybe he'll get in, in this series and maybe we'll see it then. Uh, here's hoping. All right. So final chirp then, I guess, because uh, you, you only gave us the one this week and you're, I know you're getting hungry over there and fair enough. I, I am too, actually. So let's see if we get hangry over the last little bit of this, uh, this podcast here. Um, this one's from our, our buddy Jabo Vancouver. You can follow him on uh, ugh, you can follow him at Jabo underscore Vancouver. I'm sure most of you do already. He's uh, one of the better follows, I think, in Canucks Twitter. Uh, he says, I think this market hears names like Herder, Pulasic, and White repeated constantly. We are just waiting for the next one. My hope is Yolevi will be a cautionary cautionary tale for those out there who refer to a prospect as a gust a bust because they fail to development on their schedule. I, I got through that eventually there. I, that's that's the hunger making my brain a little fuzzy. But I wanted your thoughts on that because Jason Herdo, Libor Palasic, Patrick White, certainly some of the uh, first-round picks. I'll chuck Sean Antosky in there as well. Uh, you know, what, what do you think about all that? Yeah, was it Reed, Nathan Reed or something like that? Or well, He was another one that, um, that was terrible. Yeah, uh, the Canucks, I think the other issue – Canucks fans have is the Canucks have been one of the worst drafting teams in history since their you know inception into the NHL the Canucks as a whole have definitely been on the bottom third if not the bottom quarter of drafting as a whole in the in the NHL Um, it's been an issue time after time after time. That was one of the things with Benning becoming the GM of the Canucks that all of us were really excited for was we're getting a scout. This means that our drafting should be better. And honestly, it has been better. You know, I haven't loved everything Benning has done. I definitely think he's made some mistakes. Of course, every GM has made mistakes. You know, look at Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman's made some questionable draft picks in his tenure when he was in Tampa Bay. But everyone celebrates him as this amazing, great GM. And I'm not saying he isn't, but he's made mistakes as well. Uh, Yes, players do take longer. I think the fact that a guy like Matthew Kuchuk was taken right after the Ulevi pick, that's what really stings and hurts Canucks fans. Because I think Kuchuk had instant success. We still have not seen one NHL game out of Ulevi yet. I think he's one of maybe two or three players from that draft year in the first round that hasn't played an NHL game yet. Um, so, you know, obviously that's a concern. But, you know, he has had a laundry list of injuries in the last few years. And that that uh, CHL rule really does hurt some players' development. Like, I look at another guy like Jet Wu, where he couldn't go to the AHL last year. He had to play another year in junior. I believe he can. I believe he can actually play another year in junior as well, which is pretty amazing. And you know, he's much better than a junior player. Um, but yeah, it's just patience. But that being said, I understand why Canucks fans are a little bit, you know, impatient with draft picks because we've seen so many of them fail over the years. I think you were referring to the 2000 draft where we had Nathan Smith as uh, the first, and uh, he played four games. The only other player in that draft that played any games was Brandon Reed. So that's you got Nathan Smith and Brandon Reed crossed over, and he played 13. So look at that 2000 draft. That's a total of 17 games played out of one draft. Like, oh, man, that is ugly. 2002 draft, even worse. We had one game, one game out of the entire draft uh that was rob mcvicker played one game as a, as a goalie so yeah you're, the canucks in the 2000s they took it to new levels i mean it's all in my opinion it, it, it kind of started with the curse of the the controversy of losing the first overall pick to buffalo which was uh gilbert perot uh way back in 1970 um one last thing to add to that though is patrick white 
was one of two guys that went to San Jose along with Dan Rahimi in the deal that brought Christian Ehrhoff over to Vancouver. So at least we got out of that something. But you look at the Canucks drafting over the in the 2010 era compared to the 2000s era. Uh, it got off to a rocky start. I mean, 2010, again, was a draft where we only had six picks. We didn't have any until the fourth round, and we only had one game out of it. Um, and it, it did slowly start to improve. In 2013, you got Bo. 2014 is, yeah, okay, Jake, but you also got Thatcher Demko in there uh, as well. And in 2015, of course, you got Brock, and you also got Gaudette. You know? 2016, the jury's still out, though. That's uh, that's Olio Levy and Will Lockwood. They're, the rest are, are, are busts, but we may still have something there. So anyways, let's get on to the free pour. Let's do it. We now move on to the free pour open floor segment of the podcast, and I'm just going to talk about how much I enjoyed the island. Uh, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning of this episode, but uh, island life is nice, man. It's a little bit slower uh, than the mainland, which is nice. Uh, People seem to be a little bit nicer. No one's in as much of a rush as they are in the city. You know, everyone's in a hurry and speeding up to a red light. That doesn't really seem to happen on the island. It was just nice. It was nice to get away. Um, The one thing I will say that I do really enjoy about Vancouver are the mountains. You don't really get to see the mountains. Um, They're not as prevalent uh, as they are in Vancouver. However, you do have the ocean right there. Uh, And it was absolutely stunning and beautiful. Jordan River. If you ever get a chance to go up there, check it out. Uh, Beautiful little spot. Uh, It was nice to, again, just unwind and social distance ourselves from society for the most part i will say disclaimer with victoria you do get the mountains it's just they're all in washington state and you get those beautiful views of uh, mount baker as well but yeah you're right it's not that beautiful backdrop that vancouver has and actually mountains tie in nicely to what i wanted to talk about in in an odd way is uh um i uh i run a lot and it's been it's been really helpful for me during all of this just to keep running and uh, as much for my mental health as my, my physical health. But with all my races canceled this year, and I, I, I don't even like saying races because I don't go in them to race. I just, they're, they're events. With all my events canceled this year, I've been having to create these kind of self-imposed things to keep me motivated. So I kind of look back at July, which is a month I really pushed myself. I, I ran my second marathon this year in July. I created a really uh, kind of lofty for me challenge of an elevation goal of, of 2,000 meters for the month, which I, which I just hit today, which I finally hit. That's one I've been trying to get for a little while. And, and just overall, it was a really solid month. Uh, did some really kind of crazy runs and uh, different runs, like going over to bridges and going into different parts of town. And uh, between that and the bike, uh, it's been, it's just, it's such a great city to explore. So uh, whatever neighborhood, whatever part of town you're in in Vancouver, really encourage you, even if you don't want to do either, just go out, go for walks. There's so many hidden gems. And again, tying back to what you're talking about with the island in Victoria, um, everything in Victoria is, is much closer. It's, it's much more condensed, right? Vancouver is huge. Um, tomorrow I'm biking out to Port Moody to go hit the breweries with my buddy Brooks uh, out there as well. I mean, it's just it's just cool that we can do all that stuff. So um, I guess both of these in our segments today are just really appreciating what we got out here in BC, eh, Doug? Absolutely. I'm just imagining you with, like, a running bingo card. All right, a 200-meter run elevation, check. Run over a bridge, check. You just got all these running bingo cards that you're trying to check on on your list there. But uh, no, you're absolutely right, Pete. Uh, It is one of those things that, you know, you've traveled extensively. I've done a bit of traveling myself throughout the years. And every time you come back to BC and Vancouver or Victoria even, you just realize how beautiful and how special of a place we actually all live. And uh, I'm just thankful I live here and not somewhere down south at the moment. And our favorite hockey team is here, too. That's true. Thanks for tuning in, folks. 
just about a wrap on episode 42. I was trying to think all episode of Canucks 42s without cheating and looking online. And uh, I, there, I, the first one that came to mind was Kyle Wellwood. But I knew there was someone else bugging me and bugging me. I was like trying to figure out who it was. It was Joseph Beranek. That was the other number 42. I was trying to, I knew from that era there was a 42. I could see it. It just came to me during this episode. Joseph Beranek. So anyways, episode 42. Joseph Baranek, there's a name I haven't heard in ages. I remember, remember uh, that name. That uh, that takes me way back. I was excited when we got him. I'm pretty sure he came from the Flyers, um, but he was one of those guys who I think there was like a a Young Stars card of him or something, and, and the Canucks ended up getting him in some deal with Philly. But anyways, he didn't do much here in Vancouver. But I knew there was a guy from that era that was bugging me. Maybe he got shipped over to Philly in the Wendell Young trade. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the one thing I also forgot to mention about being on the island is uh, we have a fantasy football league. And uh, a bunch of the guys, I'd say the majority of the guys, actually live in Victoria. And um, I won the championship last year. And the guy who had the previous championship, Craig, Ooh, shout out to Craig. I know you listen uh, from time to time. I think most of the guys in our league listen. Um he was gracious enough to meet up with me to hand over the belt. So I was also able to pick up the championship belt when I was in Victoria. So I'm officially sporting the championship belt. I got a nice photo off at the cabin. Grace was rolling her eyes, hating her life that I was asking her to take photos of me without the belt or with the belt, part of me. Is that going to be your Christmas card this year? Uh, yeah, belt? probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like a lady. Great. You'll see my nipple will be showing. you are like, oh, why didn't you get a Christmas card, Pete? Here's a Christmas card for you, Pete. <laughs> uh, but no, it was nice to pick up the belt from Craig. Uh, yeah, and it was just nice to have the belt in the house. It had been on the island, I believe, for the last five years. I won the championship our third year. Or maybe it was the second year, actually, I won. And then it's been on the island ever since we've done. Let me count quickly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven years uh, the league's been going. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to doing our eighth year. Uh, NFL is curious to see what, what happens there. That's something we didn't get into this episode either, is talking about your Patriots and uh, how just, what, like seven guys now aren't playing this year or something. Uh... I've got two words, two names for you. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll save, uh, there's going to be some more football banter as we uh, as that approaches, because we are big NFL fans as well. A um, couple of programming notes from us. We are going to be doing, for the first round, game recaps, uh, either that will either be released the night of the game, depending on how tired we are. We both have to start early with work, but not that. It'll be the morning or the afternoon after, within 24 hours, hopefully closer to the game finishing time. Uh, but we are going to do shorter episodes, maybe half hour or so, just game recaps from what we saw from that for the entire first round and just, just see how it goes and see what the feedback is for that. So stay tuned to that. So we'll be dropping an episode either late Sunday or sometime on Monday. Uh, again, it really kind of just depends on how we're holding up and how our work schedules are, are going. But uh, watch this space and watch our Twitter for that. And again, that is at Speak, and I am at Pete underscore gas. Give me a follow at Doug Venn. That's V-E-N-N. And as always, the funky groove you're hearing now will be added to the Canucks Speakeasy outro playlist on Spotify. Give that a follow. Let's put a couple of fractions of a dollar or fractions of a penny in some of these artists' pocket at the moment. A couple of Turkish lira. That wraps it up, folks. Again, as always, thanks for listening. Hasta luego.